as we talk about the, about the analysis of the cup. When we talk about the analysis of the cup, um, I think that we need to really just sit back here and um, it's been very, very heavy on my heart. I hope that I'm able to explain it to you. I'm trying to put it into one session, but we're talking about the analysis of the cup. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word, your faithfulness, your intentions to make sure that we get home safely. Thank you, Lord, for how you, through the years, you have documented your activities. And one thing that keeps coming up over and over again is the different types of cups in the Bible. And finally, Jesus had to drink the cup. What's so unique about that? Help us, Lord, to understand the dynamics of it. And help us, Lord, to the next time we take communion, to understand is, is more than just drinking of the fruit of the vine. But we were drinking of the cup of the new covenant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The next thing that we have before you is a picture. And this uh, picture that I have before you that's, that's coming up is a picture of uh, the cup. And um, so we bring that up there, uh, Roland, as we uh, look at that then. I want you to just, no, I just want you to just look at it and think about it just for a moment. The uniqueness of the cup is not just another cup. You find that when you go through scriptures, it's mentioned in so many different ways. But before Christ could get uh, to the cross of Calvary, the reason he got to the cross of Calvary Yes, yes, he was crucified, and yes, he, all of those things happened. That's the detail. But Jesus Christ had to drink the cup. And that's what I want to explain to you this morning, the significance of the cup. Amen? So I want to keep that picture in front of you and the, kind of drive it home to you and trust that God will speak to your heart. Okay. Mark 10, 35, we kind of lead in with some scriptures we'll pick up later. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Now, understand now, Jesus know our thoughts are far off, right? And so Jesus goes along with the program. So it says, okay, what do you want me to do? And they said to him, grant us to sit on, uh, sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. When we get there, Lord, help us to be in the right place at the right time. One on the left, one on the right. This will be a family thing. Uh, Jesus, that's what we want you to do. And don't deny us this. <laughs> Oh, boy, you can always tell uh, they're still disciples, still learning, bless their hearts. And guess what? Jesus has not been out of shape. He's very cautious in what he says. Well, keep that in mind as we move forward then. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus said to them, do you not know what you're asking? 
Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism in which I'm baptized? And they said to him, we are able. <laughs> Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Keep those scriptures in mind as we continue to move forward. God has established a divine cup. From this cup will flow his great wrath of uh, all pleasure and provision. Everyone has, is, or will drink from the cup. We must understand the significance of this spiritual cup that was established before the foundation of the world. Okay? Let's go on. Thinking it through. In the word of God, there are several unique things about the cup. First, we have the cup of God's wrath. Then we have the cup of retribution. We have the cup of redemption. We have the cup of condemnation. And we have the cup of blessings. Uh, what David said, uh, thou anointest my head with all my cup runneth over. What, what cup? You see what I'm saying? What, the cup in his hand? What cup was he talking about? And that's when we talk about that cup of blessing. So again, uh, the reference to the various cups and their use is mentioned 57 times in the Bible. 30 times in the Old Testament and 27 times in the New Testament. God in the Old Testament had the, had the Israelites uh, a lot of times when he would discipline them, he said, you will drink from my cup of wrath and you can drink it to the last drag or the last drop. And God's judgment sometimes went on for years. He'll bring nations and everything. And said, you're going to feel what I feel. I don't play with you. That's why we are not to take God's when we take communion. Don't take it unworthily to understand the significance of the cup. That we're on the other side of it. But God says there's a cup that everyone must drink from. God, our Father, uses this instrument. The cup's covenant uh, greatly depends on its recipients, choice, and status. And so um, depending on how you drink the cup, Oh, you're going to drink, but it's how you drink. And for what reason you're going to drink? You're going to drink. This world is going to drink the cup. Satan's going to drink the cup. We're going to drink the cup. But number one, what is it? Where is it? And what's the, what's the significance of it? Well, let's see if we can work through some of this, okay? The first snapshot. <clears throat> now, all this is still the introduction, okay? The first snapshot, the inevitable raft of God against any entity that defies his holiness. Satan will drink the full, the cup full of God's wrath. One snap is, snapshot is that he that with, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God never, never intended man to go there. Man did it by choice. It wasn't God's fault. Okay. Let's go on. Revelations 28, and it will come uh, out 
and will come out with Satan to deceive the nation that are at the four cor uh, corners of the earth, God and my God, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. That sounds familiar with uh, Joshua. And they march up over the uh, broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Oh, they're messing with God. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Oh, wait a minute, it gets a little bit more. Look at this, uh, Revelation 20.10. And the devil who have deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever. Guess what? Satan knows exactly that. Satan is quite aware of all of this. Matter of fact, remember what the demons said to uh, Jesus Christ? You come to torments before, the, uh, before our time? And the Lord told them to shut up. Oh, they know that it's coming. God our Father had a better plan for us. Jesus Christ came to deliver us from God's inevitable and awesome wrath. His wrath is in the cup that this world will have to drink to the last drop. Second snapshot, the absolute love of God can absorb and satisfy the offense of sin against his holiness. This is what it's all about. Satan decided to go against God. It was sin. And guess what? It didn't say God will prepare. It says God had past sin, prepared the lake of fire. God, has, he's not trying to get it together. No, it's all, it's waiting for Satan. That's why it was, it was almost comical that Satan is talking to Jesus on the, on the, uh, on, uh, on the mount saying, listen, um, if you bow down to me, I'll give you this one. I'll give you this. <laughs> and uh, he said, at first it was given to him. And he, does, he knows, too, that he's going to be destroyed forever. And he said, Jesus, just operate in the flesh. That's all you had to do. Operate in the flesh. I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Uh, you, must be, you must serve God and him alone. Thou should not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, there was a cup that Jesus had to drink on our behalf for the forgiveness of all our sins against God. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for him to do that, he had to get to the cross, die on the cross, so that he can drink the cup of God's wrath, so that another cup of the new covenant where God pour his blessings into it. Got the idea? God does not use the same cup. One is wrath and the other is blessing. The wrath is on the first, on, on the, uh, the side of, of Calvary. The blessing is on the other. And here's what Satan wanted want you to think. Satan wants you to think that if you mess up, now that you're saved, uh, you're going to lose your salvation. Uh-uh-uh. Go back. And that, there's a song that says, Jesus paid it all. All to thee, I owe. You see, he paid it all. And that's why when we talk about the whole idea that Jesus said, it is finished. He says, I, I took it all. I took it all in. I didn't die. I'm going to make sure that I took in everything from God, all the things from man. And then I said, it's finished. 
and satisfied the holiness of God. Let us remember the principles of forgiveness. The offended must be willing and able to absorb and release the offense and establish a permanent clearance of, of the offense. That's why we, that's why I want to put this little quote to you by Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as you know, one of the King James says, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Whenever you say, that's why I said, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I did wrong. No, 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 no. First, you had to admit, what did you do? Okay. Then once the offense is on the table, we're talking about discovery, then will you forgive me? That's what you ask. Now, if the person says no, it's all for you. If you've been offended and the person says no, the burden is not on you. It's their choice. But if they say yes, you can never go back and bring that back in their face. Why? Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. As far as the east is from the west, have God uh, uh, washed away our sins. Okay? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so, um, thinking it through, the dynamics of drinking from the cup of God's wrath were overwhelming. Add, add to this, the disciples didn't have a clue about this extraordinary, this extraordinary plan of redemption. Let's examine the thoughts and activities surrounding the cup. The unusual petition, the unveiling plan, the unbelievable stress. First, the unusual petition. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, what, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at one right hand, on your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. Let's go on. There were several observations, uh, obvious things about the request of the brothers. One, their agenda was the, was the top priority. They didn't care about any of it. They didn't care about the disciples. They didn't care. They said, I'm going to get to the kingdom, and here's what I'm going And we want the best seat in the kingdom. Do you know what it means to sit on the right hand and left hand of, of Jesus, and you have innumerable people are now worshiping the Lord and everything else, and here they're sitting on the right hand and left hand and haven't been through anything? No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works, guys. That's not how it works. Their approach was fixed on securing the best place in the kingdom. It's amazing how folks want to get the, where they can be seen or heard. Where's the servants? Where are those who work in the background? They're the ones who really make it happen. Their appeal was selfish, lacking the servant attitude, having no concept of the dynamics of their request. Their agenda was not intended to glorify God. That's why they said, do this for us. You know, that's what we, that's, that's all we want right now. Just do it for us. Oh, that's why we're in this room and, and eating, eating the bread and drinking the cup. So we'll do stuff for you. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, but Jesus, one thing I liked about Jesus, he maintained his composure. Uh, in the hood, he said he kept his cool. He wanted to keep relating to these guys who were soon 
take over the reign. They desired a place that had already been preordained. What you, what you want is I have, it's been taken already. Those seats have been taken, okay? Their agenda was not in sync with the will of God. I, I think that we need to walk along, take a, a long look at this. What is it that you're asking God for that is contrary to what he wants for your life? That's why in the Lord's prayer it says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you want, Lord, that's what I need to do. That's my goal. Those are the big rocks in my life. Well, these guys, do we understand? They didn't have that in mind. It was the me, not the we. It was the me in mind. The Lord did not rebuke them. He just said, the seat's taken, guys. Uh, you won't be able to uh, drink of that cup. Oh, you're going to drink a cup. But you won't drink the cup that I have to take. No, no. You wouldn't be able to, to get this now. You will not be able to handle the cup that I have to drink. The wrath of God. The rejection of man. The loneliness. No, no, no. You know, you don't want to be able to drink that cup. No. I got another cup for you guys. Oh, you're going to drink the cup, but not the cup that I must take. Amen. The unveiling of the plan. And Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? And they said to him, we're able. <laughs> and he said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right and at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those to, for whom this has been prepared by my father. I want you to notice a little, a little note here. Look at verse 20, uh, 22 there. And notice what it says. Are you able to drink a cup? No, it says the cup. You see that? Okay. Then it dropped down to the 23. Uh, it said um, uh, that uh, you will drink from my cup, not the cup that he's going to die at the cross of Calvary. No, no. But you you drink the cup. Oh, you're going to be going to a crucifixion. But you but there's no, no or therefore no condemnation in the cup that I give you, in the cup that I'm taking. I'm taking on the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. That's the cup. You guys won't be able to drink that. Uh, that's why the ones who are sitting next to the Father, God has already designated that already. So find another seat in the kingdom, but you will not find that one, guys. <laughs> Let's go on. Jesus mentioned four things in responding to the brothers. The, serious, the seriousness of their request, the severity of the process, the surety of the process, and the sovereign selection. He said, let me tell you something. This is a serious thing, guys. Uh, here we are, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in the upper room. I'm telling you that I'm going to die. And when you look at that whole thing going on, they're arguing who was the greatest and all these other things. Uh, to Jesus, and he said, listen, guys, this is what's going to happen. The seriousness of this cup, the severity, the surety, and the sovereign uh, uh, choice is not mine. 
It says the Father. I'm glad that he said that. There, there are those individuals who go around saying, Jesus only. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Father. And then uh, say the Holy Ghost. They're all one. Yes, they're one in essence. But they have, you're talking about three entities. And Jesus Christ made it very clear. It's not uh, for me to give. Then who else is he giving it to? He says, it's the Father who will do that. Everybody has their job. They stay in their lane in order that we will be, be saved. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord for that. What is going on? The unbelievable stress. Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Do you see the pressure there? You see the pressure of what's going to happen? This is the first time that God, the Father, and God, the Son, have been separated under these circumstances that Jesus takes on all the sin and God's holiness. And that's what's at stake here with the, with the triune. It's the holiness of God. And Jesus must become sin for us in order for that to happen. He had to drink that cup. That's why he had to get to Calvary. For you and for me, he had to do it. Or we will be burning in the lake of fire for, for the devil and his angels. Jesus had to do it. He paid it all on the cross of Calvary. And it was not easy. What is very clear here, it's not easy. He said, Lord, he's talking to, he said, <laughs> no, he says, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup. And Jesus knew that's the whole purpose. It's immovable. God's judgment is immovable. Uh, God does not show favoritism. Wherever there's sin, he's going to deal with it. If he dealt with sin on the cross of Calvary for us, he's going to deal with every sin that man has done in their lives. He will call every man uh, to be uh, uh, held accountable. Luke twenty two forty two 42, saying, uh, that's another saying here, and Luke breaks it in a way, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. First he said, Father, things are possible for you. But then he goes down and say, Lord, Father, if you're willing. And this was, understand the stress of what's going on here. He's talking to Abba Father, the relationship that they've had before time was ever established, the continuum of time. And they have never, never, they have always agreed, let us make man, have always agreed, moved along. And he said, if it's possible, let this move. And he says, if you're willing. And guess what? God is silent. Because the plan must be carried through. You see, he took the nails for us. He, one songwriter put it, they hung them high, they stretched them wide, 
he bowed his head. For me, he died. That's love. That's love. Do you want, don't blame God when things go wrong in our life. Do you know what God went through to make you and me his? Do you think that you, he'll lose you to all that you're going through? Please. Scripture backs up. God's going to see that you get home. How do I know? Because Jesus paid it all. And then you had the scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what? Praise God that we are children with no condemnation. Oh, we have convictions. We'll get whippings, but no condemnation. That was on the other side of Calvary. That was the cup that Jesus had to drink for each one of us. Amen. There are several major things that had to happen. Total separation from the Father. Total. Total absorption of sin covering the past, present, and future. Here's the next thing. Unimaginable pain inflicted by God the Father and at the hands of his physical enemies. Jesus was getting it from both sides. I cannot imagine. And um, Joseph Prince, I showed it before, and um, but he, uh, I, I wanted to show it again, just to kind of bring it to your um, remembrance. But go on YouTube and uh, uh, Joseph Prince, the crucifixion of Christ, and um, and you you see, and it gets, kind of give you a visual of all that, that was laid on him. And he, I understand something, not when he died, he had to absorb this while he was living. He had to experience every bit of, how can man absorb something like that from the wrath of God? I was uh, paused for station identification. This week also, that thing that caught my mind was volcanoes. I was looking at what caused volcanoes uh, I looked at the, the history of, of, of Pompeii and uh, the, the total destruction. They showed how some of the, um, uh, the volcano uh, ashes and fumes and everything flew across the water at 200 miles an hour. And that these folks, when, when, when they even exhaled it or, or inhaled it, they died within seconds. And so that's why you see the bodies and everything else just covered with dust. The judgment of God. When, when God lays it upon man, and man hasn't felt anything yet, God says one third of the earth will be wiped out. When, and God says, you're going to drink from my cup of wrath. But meanwhile, Jesus says, whatever you have for the saints of God, Lord, pour it on me right now. And he took it all. He took it all. Now I see he was taking it from the father, all that God was going to lay. And listen, God didn't hold back anything because God was punishing sin for us. That's after he had been beaten by the, uh, the, uh, the Roman guard, uh, guard, uh, guards, nailed to the cross of Calvary, marked by the people, and then wait for the Lord to lay upon him the iniquity of us all. This is a serious thing, thanks to God. And living a flippant life is not worthy of what's going on right here. 
And that's why God will not tolerate our living flippantly before him and we are children of him. He will whip you. He will, he will whip your glutus maximus when it comes down to something like this to get you in shape. Amen. All right. Well, he had um, to validate the completion of the process with these words. It is finished. Why is why are the why are these words so important? You see, number one, understand Jesus Christ is fulfilling the Old Testament to the letter, and when they would sacrifice the uh, uh, the, the scapegoat, and they would take him outside the camp was about twenty miles here because when you talk about uh, close to three million Jews, twenty miles they had to travel outside of the camp and way out there. You see. Uh, each one of them, everyone was waiting to listen to hear what uh, they had to say as they released the scapegoat. And when they released that scapegoat into the wilderness, which was probably definitely destroyed by an animal, they would shout when they finished their job, it is finished. And they would holler from, and it would say that from one tribe to another, it would echo and echo until it finally gets up to the temple area where it says, it is finished. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary said, listen carefully. All your sins have been washed away. There's nothing that you can do that can keep you out of God's family. If you're a child of God, I'll take you home first. Like Ananias and Sapphire, I'll snatch you out of here. But let me tell you something. There is therefore now no condemnation. Why? As I drink of the cup, and how do I know I got to the bottom of it? It is finished. Praise God. Jesus had to stop Peter from intervening uh, in the uh, predetermined process. Notice what Jesus said before he went on that cross. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into his seat. Uh, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Oh, Peter was, remember, he said, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. And, and then when the guards came and, and Peter uh, acted out of the hood, he brings out his, his knife and he's going to, and try to cut the guy and actually cut his ear off. Then they would even do a good job at that. And Jesus told him, put your, put, put your sword up. Peter, put your sword up. Uh, he that lived by the sword, died by the sword. And then Jesus stepped in and picked the man's ear back up, put it back where it belongs. Jesus did his last healing act. And, uh, and Peter realized it's not by the sword that wins our salvation. It's by the Son of God on the cross of Calvary, drinking the cup to his very end and saying, it's finished. Amen. I hope I give you some prospect of this. So one, well, one last thing then. The death of Christ has enabled us to be partakers of another cup. One of blessing, forgiveness, and fellowship. First Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing that we bless is not uh, a participation, is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread in which we uh, break is not participation in the body of Christ. This is, don't you understand what this represents? It's the cup on the other side. It's not the cup of condemnation. It's a cup of salvation. 
Don't you understand the significance of this cup? Do you know what it takes to get this cup on the right on the right side of it? Says you guys take this thing seriously. I remember in uh, my former church, we were going way back, and uh, and they were getting ready to partake. Uh, folks, we some folks were taking communion, and uh, they were laughing and joking, and some sticking their tongue all in the cup. And and I said, I said, my, I was very at that time. I was very upset. They would be take that lightly when it comes down to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Don't we ever take that lightly? At least I won't take it lightly or kindly for misrepresenting our God from that position. Uh, Corinthians 10, 21. We cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table, uh, table of demons. What table are you at? Make up your mind. You're from the part of a cup of, uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then recognize commu the communion. Recognize that he took the nails, that uh, what he has done, uh, that he was worthy. He's the lamb, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's who we serve. Amen. My prayer that all of us will keep that in mind. Let's go further. First Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of first Corinthians eleven twenty five. in the same way also he took the cup. Now understand now, this is not the cup of judgment. It's a new cup now, it's explained. He took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember what all I've gone through. Remember how long it took. Remember what, what happened between me and the Father. Remember all the pain. And when you take this cup, do it in remembrance of thanksgiving and praise to our Lord. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death <clears throat> until he comes. So we keep on doing it. We keep on having it. That God will be glorified. Help us to keep that in mind, saints. All right? And with that, that said, let's bow to a word of prayer. Father God, we just wanted to share with the saints about the cup. This cup, Lord, should not be taken lightly. And I'll be partakers of the new covenant, a new way of life, a new relationship, a new hope. Thank you that we can approach your throne and we can say, mighty God, wonderful Lord. But we can also say, and you're not offended when we say, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit, help us to even say that to you. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the cup. And as we analyze it in its minute way this morning, help us to realize the seriousness of it. And there may be some Lord who might be on the other side, the side where their sins have not been forgiven. They have not realized that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin uh, and that he uh, was crucified and that um, he, would, he died and he was buried and he rose again. 
and that they had to admit that they're sinners in order to be able to drink of the new cup, of the new covenant. Oh, Lord, we're all going to have to drink of the cup. Is which cup we're drinking from. And help us, Lord, who are drinking from your cup. May you be glorified as we acknowledge all that you have done in and through our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.